is Phoenix FM. It's time for film reviews and movie news. My name's Stuart Pink, and joining me by the power of the internet is the man who thought a Catherine Wheel was a character in the new Fast and Furious film. It's Mark Simi. Hello, Mark. <laughs> Imagine if that was a character. Hello, by the way. Imagine if that was a character <laughs> and it was played by Helen Mirren or something like that. And Catherine Wheel. Yeah. Yes. Oh, oh, I can see that. Come on. I, I, I need that. I need that in my life. I really do. You know, um, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. That work. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Another one there. Another one there. That's like, that's good. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're racking them up. We're yeah, racking we up. Are. I, yeah, you're going to have to put together a montage of these and stick them on your CV. <laughs> yeah, I might. Well, I might. Some of them I'm a bit dubious about. Yeah, uh, about don't your, want them all going out yeah, there. Yeah, that's true. The Mankini one, might want to leave that off. Yeah, I might leave that one off, I've got to say. But, you know, it's interesting you saying did about... You, oh, go on, carry yeah, on. Did, ask me. Did ask you me. remember? Remember? Did you remember? Remember? Rem- I mean, the thing is, listen, my, my memory is not the greatest at the best of times <laughs> anyway. So if you're going to ask me, did I remember... Um, no, it's probably the answer to whatever that, you were going to ask me. That I've got to date, be honest. what was it again? I can't remember. Yeah, I 7th of November, <laughs> was it? No, 6th <laughs> for no... Oh, I've forgotten it again. I've forgotten it all again, yeah. No, no, I, I did remember and, uh, you know, we sat and uh, watched out the window um, as some of the neighbours had a few fireworks, but that That's was That's the it. way to do it, isn't it? It's much cheaper. It is. It is, absolutely. So um, Far safer. <laughs> do you know, here's a funny story, right? So from, uh, from the town where I'm from, uh, up in the Midlands, there was a rugby club still there actually that every year have this massive firework display it's huge massive and there's rugby clubs out on the outskirts of town okay and to get there you have to drive on the main road Um, yeah but what happens is everybody just turns up and parks on the main road so they don't pay to go in so they watch it from the main road so for like two hours you can't get down this main road at all because everybody's oh, parked there with their families like eating their own toffee apples that they bought with them <laughs> um and watching free fireworks i mean it's not the right way of doing it but at the same time i appreciate uh the, the... it's what you gotta do it's what you gotta do we used to go to this one in uh in Corrigan called the pegasus for the local listeners, uh, they used to be they used to play football there on a Saturday and Sunday afternoon for the school kids. And uh, there was, well, I was there one year, and all these people were jumping over the fence and trying to get in for free. And then the resident football team, particularly the defence, took to slide tackling them to try and stop them from Ooh. running into the crowd. It was like just like a regular Saturday, <laughs> but in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> the team medic was there fixing screwing knees back on. It was. Beautiful. Oh, the uh, the firework displays, it brings the best and worst out in us. It really does, doesn't <laughs> it? Um, but, you know, funnily, funnily enough saying that, um, that brings me to a point um, that the best and worst of firework displays, etc. Um, I don't know if you've seen, but this week, out on 4K Blu-ray and special edition Steelbook, is V for Vendetta. Oh, which, yes. Yeah, which obviously, a, you know, couldn't be more timely if it tried, really. Um, you know, it's overthrow of the government done by um, anonymous sources, et cetera, et cetera, all set during th- this week, basically. Um, so it has come back out. Here's the weird thing about it, right? So I remember seeing it at the cinema and thinking, yeah, I love this film. This is great. It's fantastic. Look at it. Brilliant. And this was when it came out as well. And then I got it on DVD and probably watched it again maybe 10 years ago maybe a bit longer and i was like yeah. mm, this this 
doesn't hold up as well as I thought it was it going to. Dated a little bit. It has dated, it? yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, so I haven't seen the new version. I have to say, and the thing is, to me, it feels like it's it's the type of film that would benefit from a scrub up, you know, up to 4K. Mm. So I'm curious to see it again, to see how it works in the age that we're now living in, um, what it's like. So I, I, I actually have a copy, um, so I'm going to watch it over this weekend and see what it's like. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's a, I mean, as I said, initially I remember being blown away by it and it, oh, it's fantastic. And then I watched it again and I'm like, oh, Oh, uh, oh! I mean, don't get me wrong. Hugo Weaving's very good in it. Um, Natalie Portman's great in it as well. But I don't know. The the story didn't feel... Sometimes you watch the thing back, remembering how brilliant it was, and then you just sort of... Yes. A few few little things have slipped your mind. I think that's the thing, isn't it? Some things do continue to work in this day and age, and some things don't. Like like when we were reviewing Little Monsters the other week, where I said to you, you know, I remember (laughs) seeing this and whatever else. And then you watch it and you go, oh, no, definitely not. Um, So, yeah, so just to say that, you know, V for Vendetta is out now on 4K. uh, If you've got 4K, it's out on Blu ray as well, by the way. Um, So, this is a, a physical form. Is it available to download in 4K? No, I'm just I'm just wondering. Be very careful when you click on that mask, because that's also <laughs> the, yeah widely yeah. used for other reasons. It you is, don't want to go there. Absolutely, yeah. No, it's uh, it's physical format. Uh, physical is always the best, anyway. Um, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a physical kind of guy. He's a physical kind of guy. That's why I used to go to that rugby team, isn't it? <laughs> um, but no, it's just on uh, Blu-ray, 4K discs, basically. So it's out there. Um, now but um and and slightly changing the subject because we spoke about this off air just now which was the the dreaded c word for some people (laughs) um to me i'm fine with it i don't mind maybe because i've done all of my christmas shopping already it's all wrapped and on top of the wardrobe so for me i don't mind oh that's that's impressive (laughs) um but we should say that uh over you know well we've got a christmas film to review shortly anyway but um, <laughs> yeah very christmasy yeah the weird thing is every year people say to me what what christmas films have we got coming what christmas films have we got coming well you know where's where's the new national lampoon christmas vacation or whatever else this year the christmas films are all coming out on the same week Oh, wow. Oh, blimey. It's all going to just... It's all going to kick off. Snow upon us. Yeah, and that is the last week of this month. So they're all coming out at the end of this month. There's a Dolly Parton Christmas film called Christmas on the Square. Of course there is. It's a show from nine to five. (laughs) That's the only time she's working. Um, There is The Christmas Chronicles 2, starring Kurt Russell and his lovely uh, partner, Goldie Hawn. Which I Exactly. I think that was my reaction when I saw the trailer. Count me in. Um, There is another (laughs) film. So these two are on Netflix, straight on Netflix. There's another Christmas film that's going to be on Netflix at the same time as well. I can't remember what it's called. It looks incredibly twee. Cliff Richard strikes back. I know what it is. It's a film. The Pope uh, Returns. It's... It's a film that needs a change of title Jesus, here in the here UK. Here we go again. Uh, it's it, this film that's going straight to Netflix here in the UK. Stars Forest Whitaker, and it's called Jingle Jangle. Okay, Jingle Jangle. I think mm. it could do with a change of title here in the UK uh, because that does conjure up certain images and certain uh, things yeah. for, for some of us of a, a certain age. So maybe they'll change it. But here, but you know, Jingle moving away from that. That's three films on Netflix the same day, the 27th of November. It's going to crash, isn't it? So, uh, 
for anybody asking, are we getting any Christmas films? Yes, we are. All on the same day in All December. In, one go. in December, <laughs> we've got no Christmas films as far as I'm aware. We've got an Easter film. Peter Rabbit 2. What? Oh, what on earth is going on? It's a fan of year, this one, isn't it? I mean, really. it, uh, Well, that's the thing, yeah. I mean, let's face it. Peter Rabbit <laughs> 2 was meant to come out at Easter, got pushed back, and it actually got pushed back a whole year. They were going to put it out at Easter next year. And then they brought it forward to Christmas. And it was like, nothing says Christmas, more like a, a rabbit yeah. running through. I mean, it's uh, the same guy. It's a different celebration. I suppose, yeah. is it? <laughs> it's true. It's very true. Yeah. So, <laughs> so going back to it, there are some Christmas films. We will be talking about them. I was going to say just not yet, but we have, we've got a Christmas film to talk about in about 20 minutes. So. <laughs> Coming up, stay where you are if you're up for that. <laughs> yeah, if you can stomach it. Um, it is not a Christmas film in the traditional sense. It's a Christmas film for, for the adults. Um, An adult Christmas film yes, in it is. all of those ways. Yes. You don't want to see Mummy kissing this Santa Claus. No, definitely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> so there are Christmas films we, that we will review, and these are Christmas films that I think the whole family will we'll be able to watch. I'm not going to say enjoy because we haven't seen them yet, so we don't know if we'll enjoy them. Um, but <laughs> There will be Christmas, whether there will be cheer is another question. That's the thing, yeah. So, you know, sorry for anybody who doesn't want to for us to be talking about Christmas just yet, but, you know, we are, what, seven weeks away, well, six weeks away it's now. the next major celebration, and it's literally a second that last firework went off. That was it. We're all about Christmas now. Right, get everything down, get the, tr- <laughs> get the tinsel out, get the tree up. Swap the sparklers for a That's reef. it. Yeah. That's our case. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so we do have some Christmas films. But first, we're going to do this week's favourite. Let's do that. Phoenix 98FM. It's fair reviews of movie news. What have we got this week, Mark? Well, obviously, you know, cinemas are shot again. So um, here we go again. Yeah, yeah, here we go again. Yeah, absolutely. And we had some good films on, coming to the cinema this month as well. Really annoying. Yeah, um, they've all been delayed again. Delayed, or they're going to um, premium streaming or some sort of digital provider or something like that. So mm. basically, if there was a film that you were looking forward to seeing this month, <laughs> do keep an eye out because some have been pushed back. Some are going to digital. And whatever. I mean, uh, it's, it's, as Dr. Malcolm said, life will find a way. Exactly. Yes. As films, will cinema. Films will find a way, hopefully. Um, <laughs> so we're going to do a film that's uh, exclusively on Netflix here in the UK. Uh, weirdly, around the world. OK, so the release thing was meant to happen last year. So SpongeBob SquarePants, Sponge on the Run, which is the third film <laughs> in the Sponge franchise. Sponge on the Run. Great title. Great title. So nice. this is the third feature film of spongebob squarepants uh so it was meant to come out last year it then got pushed back um a whole year it was obviously then went to come out in the summer um and basically what happened was it had this really weird schedule where it came out in canada and somewhere else somewhere else really random uh in the cinemas um, but nowhere else. Okay, I mean, granted, you know, some cinemas were shot, but uh, but you know, here in the UK, the cinemas were open, so it was a bit weird. Uh, so now, here in the UK, it's on Netflix. It's exclusively on Netflix from yesterday, basically from you know Thursday, just gone. Um, but yeah. the US, anybody, if you're listening in the US, you have to wait until next year to see this when it's going to be back in in cinemas, basically. So you can't catch it on Netflix from the US, but no. you can. For, that's a bit strange. Isn't it? Yeah, it's really weird. But Ooh. you know what? Having said that, the US have got a lot of really good films on their Netflix that we don't get. So you know, this is this is payback. This is this yes, is, uh... isn't it? Just 
Life um, on the other side of the table, boys. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Life under the sea, down in Bikini Bottom. Uh, so, yeah, as I said, third feature film uh, for you know the the much loved character. I mean, I don't know anybody who doesn't love SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, we'd have a bit of SpongeBob. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this is uh, this is a story about SpongeBob's beloved pet snail, Gary. So he's snail-napped, not kidnapped, snail-napped. Oh, snail-napped, of course. <laughs> nice. Um, so SpongeBob <laughs> and Patrick embark on an epic adventure to the lost city of Atlantic City to bring Gary home. That's right, the lost city of Atlantic City. So you see there's a great double pun there, which I, I thought was yeah, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Just, you know, just in that uh, synopsis Not quite there. Atlantis, not quite, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's the thing, right? So, I mean, as I said, third film, in my humble opinion, I think this is the best of the three. Hey. Yeah. Good. Um, tremendous amounts of fun. Loads and loads and loads of fun. Uh, however, there's a lot going on in this film, okay? Now, we were just talking about this off air and you were saying, you know, it's, not, it's probably not the most uh, um, hard film to follow <laughs> and whatever else. Okay, right. So here's some of the things that happen in this film. So Gary gets snail-napped. Uh, Plankton is seeking to find the secret formula to the Krabby Patty. A robot's built to help Plankton, but then actually takes on a life of its own. There's a road trip for SpongeBob and Patrick. There's an above ground adventure to a wild west town there's a below the water lost weekend in the lost city of atlantic city there's musical numbers uh, poseidon turns Whoa. up seeking Whoa. to use the juices of snails to stay young forever there's a story about <laughs> courage squidward is meeting his saxophone hero there's backstories to spongebob and the, the uh, and his gang and i'm sure there's more okay so take what you were saying <laughs> off air <Whoa>. back <laughs> okay you've had a rough time <laughs> honestly there's a lot to take on there there is a lot to take How'd in. How get that in hour and a half? Honestly. But here's the thing. Here's the clever thing about this film, right? It it kind of it, it kind of isn't a lot to take in. It's sort of written so quickly that if you missed part of the storyline, then it doesn't matter because it's often barreling along towards the next bit of narrative before, you know, you can say like Krabby Paddy or something like that. Um, yeah. it's it's weirdly addictive even if you don't know what's going on this is the thing right and i know that's what spongebob the the tv show is like you know it's very short very punchy um in in terms of its narrative but when you have a 90 minute feature film you've got to keep that all the way through and the first one kind of the first one did it i thought the first one was was pretty good the second one mm, I, I i kind of i'm sort of indifferent about the second one i think the banderas thing works the rest of it not too sure about um but this one works. It works really well. Um, and I'm noticing that there's actually only two writers on it, which is fantastic, uh, mm. to get everything on here. So, you know, what we have is ultimately, beyond all of that, okay, beyond all of the different things that are going on, you have a story about friendship and how it can endure the toughest, scariest, roughest of times, which, you know, is kind of the story we need right now, let's face it. Yeah, oh, um, definitely. Yeah. So it's me and you is, in... Uh... It kind of characters. Yeah, it's it's me and you during lockdown. That's the thing. You um, SpongeBob. <laughs> honestly, so, so this is your typical fun adventure with SpongeBob and the gang. But there's one thing that makes this so much more entertaining. And you know, every SpongeBob film has had a guest star in it. Okay, oh, a, a guest yeah, star. That's right. definitely a thing in it. Yeah. So, like, the first one obviously had David Hasselhoff. Second one had Antonio Banderas. This one has got uh, about four or five special 
guests who you see in the real world. So it's, it's part animation, part real world. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you actually see them. So you actually see them. I'm not going to spoil a couple of them, but I am going to spoil this one basically because it's not a spoiler. He's in the trailer. Okay. So um, the appearance of Keanu Reeves, right? <laughs> now, this is going to make any film really entertaining at the moment. You know, I mean, he's he's clearly found his niche at the moment in terms of uh, enjoying this sort of weird area that he's playing. This, okay, get this. In this film, he's playing a sage sage. A sage sage. So basically, so... <laughs> a mystical intellectual tumbleweed. He's the original burning bush, isn't he? Well, kind of, yes. This is the thing. So, like, a, a tumbleweed blows down the road and it bumps into SpongeBob uh, and Patrick and it, it opens up and there is the head of Keanu Reeves. Right. <laughs> Seems only I know, a SpongeBob right? film. Yeah. <laughs> and then what happens is he tells them what they need to do in order to get Gary the snail back. But they don't just, it doesn't just say you've got to go to the lost city of Atlantic City or anything else like that. I mean, he does eventually because they don't understand what he's saying because he's trying to do it in this sort of mysterious way, you know, sort of, oh, it's, it's so strange and it's so mysterious and we're not too, you know, it's, it's all of yeah. that, right? But it's very hilarious. But here's the weird thing about it. It's quite comforting as well. You know, I, th I think that's the thing about it is that when he turns up, and he's saying these lines, and you're like, it's, mm, it's funny. Oh, but Keanu's here to save us. Yes, exactly. You <laughs> feel comforted by it. And I think, do you know, I think that's the perfect encapsulation of Sponge on the run, you know, this film. It's both hilarious and quite comforting as well. Um, yeah. And, I, I, you know, I guess we always get that with the SpongeBob films anyway, but this one feels heightened maybe as i said it's it's the time we're living in at the moment but it certainly feels very comforting i've got to say i've got to mention as well the animation on this one actually because you know the animation has always been i don't want to say rough and ready but you know it's 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 very yeah, it's... crude it's it's almost edging towards dr seuss type stuff i've got to be honest but this one they've switched it up and i think it looks terrific i really do so it appears certainly hmm. when they're under the water Anyway, you know, in their normal habitat, um, it looks like stop motion, but then re-rendered by somebody drawing over the top of it. Oh, yeah. Clever. I'm kind of sat there going, I mean, clearly it's not. Absolutely not. You know, this is clearly uh, computer generated. So CGI uh, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But the way that it's done is really yeah. impressive. And, you know, it kind of stands out a lot. So I, I like the fact that it's a new look for the franchise. I like the fact that it's freshened it up as well. It kind of gives it that extra eye-popping style. I mean, me and uh, my other half, we watched it. And I said to her, do you know, I would have loved to have seen this in 3D. I think it would have worked perfectly. And, oh, you know, yeah. there's, there's very SpongeBob. few films that I want to see in 3D ever. Um, <laughs> but this felt like it. This felt like, you know, it should be in 3D. I've got to be honest. So I, I'm really impressed with the animation. It, as I said, it looks very different. I'm impressed with what they've, they're doing, basically. So, you know, I think certainly with this film, I mean, it, look, sadly, SpongeBob creator Steven Hildenberg died two years ago, Um I mean, and... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he did. Yeah, oh. unfortunately. Yes, he did. He had Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, I mean, his, let's face it, his legacy lives on 
infinitely. Oh, I mean, yeah. SpongeBob is not dying out anytime soon, even though, you know, the, <laughs> the, you know, we've got another film, great, fantastic, but the show and whatever else, uh, you know, backpacks and toys and whatever. I mean, it's, it's, it's it just going nowhere. It, exactly. It's not going anywhere. Um, so his legacy is always going to live on in the show and, uh, and whatever else. But if this film is the final hurrah, not just for Hildenberg, because I see that, you know, he was one of the writers originally, um, but also for the franchise itself, you know, TV shows and whatever else, then I think it's gone out on a really, really high note. I think this is up there with the best of the best SpongeBob TV episodes. Nice. The be- the very best of SpongeBob. Yeah, kind of. But Sponge as I said, Bob's. it's kind of, you go, well, yeah, that's great, fantastic. But then when you watch it, it feels fresh it feels new there's no problem with the old spongebob it it wasn't broke they didn't need to fix it but they've kind of i mean what it's not they haven't fixed it they've just rejigged it new and improved probably new and improved spongebob yeah featuring as you say a whole bunch of extras uh cameos yeah who i mean we spot them yeah i mean i don't (laughs) want to spoil any of them because there's a couple that just appear out of nowhere and i'm like this is so random. What? What? What's going on with these? Are random, but it works. That's the thing. Somehow, the writers of SpongeBob get people like the Hoff and Antonio Banderas and Keanu Reeves <laughs> to do these characters that are so wildly eccentric, and yet yeah. in the SpongeBob universe, it feels normal. <laughs> Amazing. So this is available on Netflix um, only now, in the UK. Basically, yeah, yeah, just in the UK. Um, so yes, is it it's like on to Netflix disappear now. Uh, I don't think so. No, fashion. I think you know no. Netflix have bought it. Um, it, it. Maybe it's for the for Europe. I'm not sure, but it's certainly here in the UK. Anyway, if you're in America, sorry, you're gonna have to wait till next year to see it. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Go over here. <laughs> yeah, just come for a holiday. Uh, make sure your hotel has Netflix, and then you can watch it. Um, that's going to be the yeah. easiest way. That's yes, pretty much because... all you can do when you do come over here. So uh, yeah, that's uh... true. But it's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. It really is. What we got next week? Oh, next week. Next week. Well, I'll just tell you what. We'll skip forward and we'll do it now. Should we? Don't worry about let's next week. Let's do the we'll, film yeah. that's out this week. Not next week. We'll do it now. So let's talk yeah. about a film that is on digital uh, download as well. So this is a film called Recorder, the Marion Stokes project. Now, did you see the trailer oh, for this? I did. Oh, so I'm confused as to whether this is a film or a documentary. Yeah, it's a documentary. So oh, it is a documentary. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so basically, I, I'm you know the the trailer for this really captured me because i was like this seems weird and quite interesting and Mm. everything else because basically what happened was for over 30 years marion stokes just a normal person that's it obsessively and privately recorded american television 24 hours a day and she ended up filling seventy thousand vhs tapes capturing (sighs) the changing world basically imagine that 30 years what you would capture over the past 30 years oh my god i mean we've been watching the news pretty much 24 hours a day for about the last three months and uh, i can't imagine any more of uh hugh edwards than uh <laughs> than for... <laughs> but i must say that she wasn't just 30, recording there's a lot of world change it's a in that lot time. it's a lot mm. of blank vhs tapes as well let's be honest um, <laughs> yes and then but it's not just one station she recorded she recorded hundreds of stations and it's an absolutely crazy yet phenomenal project 
that I think Marion Stokes embarked upon. Um, so the documentary mm. not only looks at what she recorded, but also her life before she started religiously recording TV. So she was an activist who who initially appeared on local news channels during the 60s and 70s talking about politics. Uh, there's a couple of bits of old footage of her included in the documentary. This was before all of the TV stations kept their output. So there's very little footage of her, just this one bit. And I've mm. got to say that when I was watching it, she came across as a very level-headed, very strong female who was happy to take on anybody for what she believed in. And the documentary also talks about her love life. And there are interviews with her children who discuss what it was like living with her. And the interesting thing is that their thoughts paint a rather complex picture of Marion Stokes, because clearly this was a woman who was driven, but maybe she was driven too far by some things. Yeah. And then, so, so the documentary moves on and it dips in and out of the recordings that she recorded on VHS tapes. I mean, just think about all the things that happened in those 30 years. So the life-changing moments, there's so many, and Stokes recorded them all via this news. And this yeah. was before 24-hour, you know, 24-7 news channels. So she had tapes on the fall of the Berlin Wall, the capture of Saddam Hussein, space shuttles going into outer space, uh, and, and most significantly, 9-11. Now, yeah. I think the documentary segment on 9-11 is, is incredibly moving. Um, Matt Wolfe, the documentary maker who's made this, takes four of Marion Stokes' tapes at just the moment after the first plane hits the tower and plays them simultaneously on screen and it's really yeah. fascinating to see how different news channels reacted to what yeah. was going on at, in the heat of the moment at the time yeah because from what we've now seen you know history shows that uh, that you get the best footage so anytime we see a film they're, they're always using the best footage but this shows how little bits and little nuggets of information are reported and how different they're reported dependent on the news as well so mm. Um, I will say, you know, if you're wondering what happened to the tapes after Marion Stokes died, she died in 2012. So if you're thinking, well, what happened to the tapes? You know, I mean, that's 70,000 tapes. Um, yeah. The it's documentary. Like a hell of a cupboard. It is a huge cupboard. I mean, IKEA don't make a cupboard that size. Let's face Even it. Even you ain't got that many VHS yeah, tapes. It's true. It's true. Um, <laughs> the documentary does address what happens to the tapes. And honestly, it's something really wonderful. It's It's just heartwarming what happened to it in fact the whole documentary i found quite wonderful stokes is you know clearly a divisive character among family and friends but all who saw her or lived with her or was friends with her saw her as a populist who at the time was maybe deemed a bit crazy for continuously recording tv but then they soon came to realise that actually she was ahead of the curve in terms of capturing iconic moments. So yeah. you have this fascinating documentary about an equally fascinating woman. Nice. I suppose she was the pioneer of Sky Plus, really. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but we had a red button. Yeah. She was there. Yeah, she was there. Put another tape in. And the, in the documentary, um, they do ask, well... What happened if she went out? She had, because she ha lived um, a very lavish lifestyle, she had a lot of money as well. She had, I don't want to say butlers, that's the wrong word, um, <laughs> but she had 
asked somebody who would, you know, help around because by the time she was getting old, she needed help. Uh, so she would go out. She would have somebody stay at home and change the tapes over. Yeah. I mean, oh, well, wow. yeah. Yeah. Talk about that. Listen, uh, <laughs> EastEnders is finishing at eight and the tape's going to run over. So can you can you change it and put it over so it goes on to, you know, whatever else is on after that? I mean, it's, I mean that it's, is a high pressure job if she's got yeah, 30 years worth of it. That's the Don't thing. miss some, the moment, man. Oh, could you imagine? <laughs> Oh, I forgot to put the tape in. Oh. I had to record the Super Bowl on a VHS once and I got it wrong. I missed it. Yeah, the grief I got. Honestly, I can't imagine the pressure these guys went under. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the Marian thing. would not have been happy. <laughs> she wasn't. The, the weird thing about it is she wasn't re-watching anything either. She was just recording it and she would yeah. watch it in real time. So that adds an extra level to... How Do we know she when was? she started? So for thirty years, what, what was the start? So the first thing she started recording. On. They do mention it in the documentary. Um, I can't remember offhand, but it was just sort of a you know, it's just a sort of flyaway. It was when obviously VHS recorders just first started, basically, um, yeah. and she was recording all the way up to her death in twenty twelve. So, just wondering if they captured my birth in there at any point. Uh, it is in there, but unfortunately, <laughs> just, it's quickly scooted over. Okay, they moved on quickly too. Yeah, uh, yeah, they were the like, we, we don't need this. We don't need this. <laughs> no, breaking news. <laughs> Might want to tune in somewhere else. <laughs> um, but I found this really interesting, and it's a documentary that, as I said, when the trailer came out, I'm like, wow, this sounds fascinating, and it lived up to my fascination with it so um yeah recorder the marion stokes project really nice. interesting documentary well worth a watch well, i'll go mm. and dig out the uh, the vhs and uh, i'll see you back here in a minute this is phoenix 98 fm Yes, it is. We're in the middle of film reviews and movie news with me, Stuart Pink. And he's never been to the White House, but in the Pink House, he's the chief of movies, Mark Sibby. <laughs> there you go. I'll put you in charge of all the movies in the whole house. Oh, uh, I don't know I don't if know. you'd want that. Not sure. I might have, uh, might have to have a revote recount on that one. Yeah, I think uh, you might have to, to be honest. There's, if you do that, there'll be some weird stuff you'll be watching. There really will. <laughs> there will be letters. Yes. And varying degrees of... <laughs> Uh, counselling required, maybe. I don't probably, know. Probably, yes, yeah. probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What we got uh, on the DVD front, Mark? So DVD, we've got a couple of horror films, actually. Um, so let's start with this, Backwater Abyss. Okay. Bla- Blackwater Abyss or Backwater Abyss? Well, I've got Backwater Abyss. What have you got? Oh, I've got Blackwater Abyss. Right, let's go with Blackwater I mean, because you're looking at back, IMDb. If you've got water at the back, that yeah. is leading to an abyss. <laughs> you need yeah. an appointment. Well, but, there we go. Yeah. That, that's what happens when you try and write notes in the dark <laughs> in a cinema, isn't it? Is you know, the abyss of typos. Oh, yeah. dear, honestly. There we go. Right. <laughs> Blackwater <laughs> Abyss is the film Black we're talking about. Abyss. Yes. Um, so this Brilliant. is a sequel to a 2015 Australian horror film, um, as you may well have guessed, that mm. probably is about a crocodile, killer crocodile. Um, it's about um, five friends who explore a remote cave system in northern Australia to find themselves threatened by a hungry crocodile. Um, Sounds question. like um, Captain Hook, real life. <laughs> Was there a ticking clock at any point in the film? Uh, I don't think so. I can't remember. But if there was a ticking no. clock, it means that there's, it's a Christopher Nolan film, basically. So uh, this, is <laughs> yeah. not a, this is not a Christopher Nolan film. Let me ask you this question, Stuart. Uh, what's yes. the one thing a Killer Croc movie needs? 
Um, I would guess crocodiles and water. And you would be you would be correct on both. The main thing it needs is a crocodile, obviously. Um, so why does this film have one and use it too fleetingly without any real merit is the question that I yeah. conjured up with. You know, ultimately, it's a killer croc movie without a killer croc. Instead, no. it's a movie about spelunking, getting trapped in caves as well. Now, is there a better narrative in this film than the killer croc? No, there isn't. In fact, it's just a boring movie it's five individuals who all come from the cliched book of horror victims each of them you know <laughs> oh they're bringing their own uselessness they've to this got character. random baggage to bring along exactly yeah. yeah you know and you know let's get the the bingo scorecard out right i think that person's going to die first they'll be second you know and i mean oh, the ridiculous yet. Yep. thing is that these friends know that there is a big storm coming and that they might get stuck underground in the cave system but they still go. We'll go anyway. Yeah, don't worry about it. I mean, oh, I mean they deserve re- whatever comes, don't they? Exactly. Right. So so once they get stuck inside the cave, it's very dark. That even I watched this, you know, on a big screen, as you know, when you go to the cinema, incredibly dark in there. I couldn't see what was happening. Oh, no. I couldn't oh, see what was happening. Worst thing, Far isn't it? too dark. So uh, you know, so when the killer croc arrives on scene, I had no idea where he was because the frame's so dark. And even <laughs> when he moves through the water, it's really difficult to track him because of how black the water is. I mean, I, I get that they're trapped in a cave and there isn't any light apart from the lights on their helmet. But yeah. come on. But we still need to see something we to make still it a movie. Need, exactly. Yeah. We need to see it. Turn the contrast up, please. People moaned this year about Tenet and the, the sound on it. Nobody's moaning about this apart from me. Turn the contrast up. We can't see anything. <laughs> However, it... it it needs to get darker on the gory and scary scenes because they're so tame. The, when the killer croc eventually arrives, he moves in for the kill only to sort of oh, vaguely scratch them. Oh, grr, grr, whatever croc noises they make, you know. Yeah. Um, so the, it's weird as well because I think the, the croc has an allergy to certain clothes or a certain sex um, because that's how uh-huh. it feels, the way that it goes. I mean, one thing for, is for certain, he's not that good of a killer croc, okay? He's more like a flesh-wounding croc who may <laughs> accidentally scratch you a little bit. You know, I Maybe mean, he's it, been trained by Steve Irwin. He's a good... In, in which he case, used to be a killer croc. Fine, but why Why is he like this? He should be a happy crocodile yeah. or something. You know, it, it yeah. conjured up in my mind the scene in Monty Python and the Holy Grail where the the the, uh, the knight is going, it's merely a flesh wound. Oh, and that's, yes. That's what it feels like watching this film, honestly. So, you know, it, it, as I said, it's a yeah. sequel um, five years later after the original film, which, you know, the, the original one, it was all right. It, it, it did nothing, but it was perfectly fine. Um but this one is light on story. It's light on gore as well. Unfortunately, it's not light on the screen. Um, it, it, honestly, it offers nothing. You know, even the killer croc is kind of bored of it, to be honest. And yeah. my, my thought is, why would you watch this 
when you have the excellent, excellent, excellent horror film Crawl, which only came out last year, by the way, yeah, available to watch on DVD. It's on streaming as well. I think it's on Netflix or it's on Amazon Prime or something. That's a very good Killer Croc movie. A and it's more believable. One. Well, yeah, it's Don't cheesy, just get but it going knows down hole. it is. That's the thing. It knows yeah. it is. So this one to me is... Uh, oh. It's just an abyss. It is, absolutely. Terrible, yeah, it's an, it's an abyss that swallowed up the story and anything of note and also the contrast. <laughs> I should just get that crocodile, turn him into an airbag and be done with it. <laughs> or some... Uh, or, if you're Jimmy Nail, some shoes. Oh, <laughs> yes. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Oh, dear. Brace yourself. Oh, this, this could be uh, this, could, this could be too soon for some, but here we go. The C word. Christmas. That's we the said one. it earlier. That's we were talking one. about it. Yeah, so here we have a horror film called The Nights Before Christmas. Okay. The Nights um, with an the S. Nights. Yes. Plural. Yes. So this is uh, a sequel to 2017's Once Upon a Time at Christmas, which, you know, is actually quite interesting. Um, I say that... Uh, I say that as someone who enjoyed the first film but found a couple of bits a little bit lacking, I've got to be honest. Uh, so now we've got uh, Santa Claus is back from the first film and Mrs. Claus is back and this time they play a cat and mouse game with the FBI. Okay. Oh. So um, this sequel, what the filmmakers have done is not so much just up the gore rate but they've actually upped the storyline a bit more as well and i for one i'm grateful for that because we get a bit more time on the storyline and many will say well why do we need more story on on you know a, a killer santa claus and mrs claus as well well we can't just have gore all the time that's the thing <laughs> we can't because yeah. otherwise it's just the same time and again um and kind of what would be the point in that as well? That's the thing. Um, I think you've got to bring something additional to the table. So if you're making a sequel, I think this one does that basically. It brings a little bit more. We learn more and we understand more about the rampage in Santa. So the film, the, the more the film seems to open up with a clearer idea of what it wants to do with the two central characters. Now, Simon Phillips, who plays Santa, is clearly having a lot of fun with this character. Okay. Mm. Seems to be laughing a, a lot. Yeah, a lot of fun with it. <laughs> and it's the kind of no-holds-barred performance you would do if you were playing that sort of role. Um, however, I think I still think the best thing about what was in the first film and now the sequel is Sila de Good's Mrs. Claus, because this is a character who horror fans can really get behind. And she squawks and she squeals and she kills and she maims in such a fabulously over-the-top way that you can't help but laugh at the enjoyment factor. And the thing is, I interviewed the director of this, Paul Tanter, um, a couple of weeks ago. And, um, I, you know, I had written some notes for the film before I interviewed Paul. Yeah. In my notes, I had written, Mrs. Claus is is clearly Harley Quinn, but a different version, you know, in, in a different that's time. That's a impression I got from the, the trailer. Yeah. Absolutely. I... Yeah was about to mention this to Paul before he brought it up himself. And he said, you know, look, the, there's a lot of different uh, characteristics that we put in here, but certainly Harley Quinn and Joker are some of the main qualities that we put into Santa and Mrs. Claus. No yeah. problem. I got no problem with that when yeah. it's this much fun, honestly. And the thing is, you can see the through line 
that uh, Sylar has brought from Harley Quinn into Mrs. Claus. And I'm pleased with that because that's kind of fun. Um, and the, the best thing for me about horror films set at Christmas, and this is going to sound a little bit weird probably, is when you see blood squirting across fresh snow. <laughs> there's there's nothing yeah, like quite powerful stuff, nothing isn't it? like seeing crimson splashed across fresh crisp white snow you know and if you're a trained psychiatrist please get in touch on... <laughs> <laughs> See, i told you i told you this is what happens when you know you when you first start doing film reviews you get to watch a lot of horror films because that's the only thing they will give you um yeah. this film's got a lot of it in buckets and I'm pleased about that. There is plenty of gore here as well. So horror fans will not be disappointed at all. And, you know, it's we have reviewed many times horror film sequels. In fact, we just did it just then with Blackwater Abyss. And we did it earlier with Train to Busan Peninsula, where basically we turn around and we go, well, the sequel's nowhere near as good as the original, you know, mm. uh, not even like a patch on it either. That's the thing. I'm really pleased that the nights before Christmas... I think is better than its predecessor. Oh, they've done a successful. Yeah, I think so. Sequel. And I've got to say as well, the nights before Christmas, which is a great title, by the way. Clever. You know, yeah, it is very, very clever. clever. I like that about it. I think it plays to its strengths. We get more storyline on the two central characters as well, and I, th that's that's what I want from something like this. Yes, okay, I still want you know the. The, the buckets of blood and whatever else it's a horror film but to get <laughs> some backstory on the characters as to why they are great fantastic so you know look th this will please the horror fans out there there's no two ways about it i include myself in it as well so i'm, I'm just pleased that this came uh, you know it, it worked out very nicely it's got enough in there to to please a lot of horror fans it's nice to see Santa Claus not played by Tim Allen as well. <laughs> it's nice to see Santa Claus played by a British person as well. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing. Um, yes, but as we said, this is not. This is so far away from Tim Allen Santa Claus. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Can you imagine? I that mean, would give you nightmares. Yeah, doing absolutely, that. absolutely. Yes. Um, any um, any word on a? Uh, you could have a good sequel here with Mrs. Mrs. Claus, a spin-off. Well, Origins thing. I did ask the director about this, and he mm. has said that they they have tentatively talked about it. Ooh. I offered him the option of putting it in space because like all good horror franchises, <laughs> they always end up in space. But he was reluctant to go with that, unfortunately. Uh, but they have the got... The reindeers fly up and they just keep going <laughs> and they end up on the moon. Don't give him any ideas. <laughs> He'll be writing this down. Um, <laughs> but the good thing is they, they have got a tentative idea. So, you know, look, based on this one, based on this sequel, I'm excited for a third film. So, yes, a, a third mm -hmm. film in the franchise. Yes, please. The Nights After Christmas. Bring it on. Uh, I don't know what you'd call it. The bit in between, isn't it? They never know what's called that. Yeah, before yeah. New Year, after uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. After Christmas, before New Year, no, I don't know. Listen, that's why they're filmmakers and we're not. Okay? We just talk about them when they've made. Yes, them. exactly. Yeah, yes, sounds fair. <laughs> what have we got to look forward to next week, Mark? Well, you know, <laughs> cinemas closed still. So um, <laughs> yeah, from yeah, home. Yeah, unfortunately so. Um, but we've got some interesting films actually next week. It's quite eclectic. I've got to be honest. So next week Ooh. we're going to be talking about uh, a film called Saint Francis, which is a story about a young girl who is trying to find her own way while also babysitting a precocious 
uh, young child, I think is probably the way to describe mm, it. Lots um, of people relating to that. Yeah. Yes. We also <laughs> have uh, a film out of Asia called Lucky Grandma. It is a uh, a wholly um, adult film, shall we say? Okay. And no more uh-huh. of that. We've got... Um, <laughs> An animated film out of Japan called White Snake, which uh, when I was sent the press release, it had got, uh, I think the wording was something like um, uh, going to be nominated for Japan's um, entry into the animated Oscar category. So something like that. So I was like, "Mm, okay. And then also there's a film coming on uh, the TV next weekend, which we're going to talk about, uh, which is part of Steve McQueen's Small Axe Anthology. It starts next weekend. Um, These are individual films. He's made five films. They're going to show on the BBC one each week. So we're going to be talking about that. Um, And, you know, these films could not be more prescient if they tried. And that's the point of it. So, uh, you'll be able to see these films one every week. I mean, we'll talk about them every week anyway. Um, and then towards the end of December, they're doing a big box set of them all. Fantastic. And what can we look forward to watching on the telly box this weekend? A couple of good films this week, a couple of very diverse films. So Saturday at 9.45pm on BBC Two, we have Perfect Ten, which we only reviewed oh, yes. several weeks ago. If you yeah. remember, it's about a, a young girl who... Um, has sort of lost her way and then her her half brother turns up yeah she's a gymnast and her half brother turns up and um, all of a sudden she just wants to be with him um, and be friends with him and be friends with his friends and she finds that there is a wider world out there and whatever else but actually there's some dark stuff happening with her brother etc but she doesn't mind it's I mean, when we reviewed it, I said, brilliant British film. I absolutely adore it. And, and the young lady who plays the lead is fantastic in it as well. Frankie Box. Frankie Box. Thank you very much. Fantastic. So it's on TV, which is great. Nice. Yeah. Quick turnaround. It, uh, well, the BBC are doing this thing over a, a few weeks where they're showing some British films that went to the cinema, went on DVD, but now actually there's a seven weeks of them showing it every Saturday night. So Ooh. Perfect Ten nice. is on this week. Last week was Makeup, which, you know, great film anyway. Um, and we've we got other films. Too, yeah. yeah, we did. And with, mm. There's other films coming up as well. So, yeah, keep an eye every Saturday night on BBC Two because they're showing these. But Perfect Ten wonderful wonderful film about a young girl uh trying to come of age uh, probably a little bit too early shall we say um but yeah i'm a big fan of this film i really am a beautiful british and uh, beautiful british name beautiful british film I've just yes. mixed up there mixed up things what what else can we look forward so, to this week Sunday at 9pm on Sony Movies is a Dan Stevens film. And there'll be people out there. Dan Stevens. Oh, he's so romantic. He's so gorgeous. Um, This is Dan Stevens. um, (laughs) uh, As you've never seen him before, basically. Um, This is he uh, is a soldier coming back from war who introduces himself to a family claiming to be a friend of their uh, sadly passed son who died in action. Um, However, some things come to light that possibly he's not the person you expect him to be. Um, I will say this. When this came out, 2014 this came out, I was bowled over by Dan Stevens' performance in this. It is deeply, deeply, deeply psychotic. I mean, (laughs) oh, dear. Uh, It's it's, um, directed by Adam Wingard. It's written by Simon Barrett. Now, they work in the horror genre. This very much 
straddles thriller horror um but it's all set to like a like a neon visual as well um and Dan Stevens' character David gets friendly with uh, the young girl of of the family, Anna, played by Maker Monroe, who I'm a big fan of, who sadly I haven't seen in a long time. Um, and they try to strike up a sort of relationship, but then things get darker and darker and darker. It is very stylish, it's very fun, and it's very creepy. <laughs> Sounds like this show. Well, what was it called? <laughs> it's called The Guest. The Guest. Sounds good. And when's that on again? 9pm Sunday on Sony Movies. Excellent. And prepare to be uh, never see Dan Stevens the same way again. Yeah, you won't watch Beauty and the Beast the same ever again. (laughs) Mark, I shall catch you next week. Have a good one. I will do. You too. Bye. Bye. Phoenix 98FM. Go to phoenixfm.com and listen to online guest interviews. Check the events for your area and listen to great radio online. 98 98 FM. This is Phoenix 98 FM.